Well, amazing views of creation, pretty good song describing it. So today we're talking about creation, Genesis 1-1 through 2-3. It's what some would call our manual of how God created the world. The very beginning of the concept of God put into writing, how he made our world and everything in it. But today I kind of ask you, is that all that it's really about? Could this account have more in it than just a simply passing by of, oh, I know how I made it, let's move on? That is how a majority of Christians and non-Christians view this particular segment of Scripture. They kind of view it as our origin of species by Darwin, but for Christianity. Today I submit to you, though, that it's much, much more than that. That if we read this together really slowly and carefully, we're going to see some pretty amazing things. So let's begin. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning. Now we have to stop here because this phrase alone is telling us something extremely important. And that when something has a beginning, time has begun to tick away. This phrase is literally telling us that from this point forward, time is in effect. The next, in the next um, word in the verse, God. So we have, so in the beginning, God. Now, now that we know time has begun, we see the eternal God, who's not judged by time, stepping into time, but what's even more interesting is he's stepping into time he himself created. Now, before we go any further in this creation account, it needs to be made extremely clear that Jesus was around, and he was actively involved in creation itself. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 state, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing that Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now also, within John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus, declared, Jesus says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So I want you guys to keep in mind that Jesus was around through the rest of the study. Now we pick up again in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When it states that he created the heavens and the earth, this is not a summary statement of what's to come. Rather, it's a statement of something he, he had actually created. The heavens at this point would just be the empty space. And the earth is mentioned in the next, uh, in the next verse. Pick up. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The earth at this point is very chaotic, very, very fluxing state, no structure to it, no substance, no real reality as we would think of it. All we know is that it was chaotic due to the description of darkness over the deep. The best way one can describe it is there's nothing to be seen in the great abyss of earth's formless state. The next verse, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So we have the earth that's formless and void, and we have the Spirit of, the, of God hovering over the waters. Now, the Spirit of God mentioned here 
is later referred to the Spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, that takes on the name the Holy Spirit. So within the first two verses of Genesis, we have the Trinity. I want you guys to keep that in mind as well as we go through this. Now it says, it was hovering over the waters. Now this verse has been translated a few other ways. Um, Some translate it uh, hovering over the surface of the deep as well. Now regardless of if you have hovering over the surface of the waters or hovering over the surface of the deep, it's referring to the chaotic state that the earth was in. Now if one, if you look at it and say, okay, it's over the surface of the waters, then that's referring to water that's really tumultuous, you know, slashing around, not real stable to, you know, put a boat out or anything. Now, if you translate it of the deep, it's referring to the idea that it is, as you're hovering over something, you're looking down and there's no indication of what's going on, how deep it is. Um, so, in a sense, it's chaotic. Now, Throughout, now we're going to go into chapter 1, verses 3, through chapter 2, verses 3, the actual creation account. In the first day, which picks up in, in verse 3, it starts, And God said. Now I want to take a pause here at this phrase, And God said. Because this is not merely God saying, Okay, like you're talking to somebody, just you know, passing conversation. This is God commanding something out of nothingness. Extremely important. He he goes, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Now again, pause, something to take note of. There's no sun at this point, yet there's light. And we have darkness, sorry. So we have light and darkness, no sun. Now, this is a clear indication that God can do stuff that to the scientific mind is, just doesn't make sense. But this is only the first of many cases in what God takes illogical and makes it work. The entirety of creation is all about that. Here is also something of note. He makes the first separation. He separates light from dark. Now, as a side note, in a lot of creation accounts from the ancient Near East, Uh, The way creation happened was one of four ways. It's through the action of a deity or deities, you know, hands-on approach making stuff, through conflict with other deities, so basically fighting, through birth and self-reproduction, and through speech. Now, the only true account of creation, the biblical account, uses the fourth, and every step God speaks something into existence. And... As you go further along, though, it, it starts to shift towards God being more involved, um, creating things hand on, hands-on, I guess you would say. So to continue in the verse, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Now here we see not only God naming day and night, but he's giving natural constraints in which time can operate. I mean, you, you, can't, you, you can't really have time without day or night. But again, I want to make the point, the sun is not around at this point. The only other place in Scripture or in the Bible where we see a reference of light without the sun is in Revelation 22.5. And that states, there will be no more night, they will not need the light of of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. 
Now, in the case of Revelation, God's providing the light, so what's to make it any different right now? To continue, and there was evening and there was morning, the first day. Now, I want you to notice the order of that words. When one typically describes a day, don't you, you, you usually describe, well, the morning of the day and then the evening of the day. But this order, saying evening and morning, was very particular and um, quite a, used quite a lot by the ancient Jews. What it describes was the time in between workdays. So basically, God is here saying, I finished the first day's work, now I've got to wait till the second day and continue the work. Now we move on to the second day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. Okay, let's step back and look at what just happened. He's created water, but he's created two waters. This was done so they could separate it into two portions, the one above and the one below. To pick up again, God called the expanse sky. Now, we need to take a moment here and think about this. You've got water, then you've got sky, and you've got water again. So literally, the earth was ocean, sky, water. It was kind of a, basically, the the best way to describe it was that it was a water bubble of sorts. Now, something to think about, though, with this upper level of water a lot of people believe that this is, after Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, this is what enabled them to have such a long lifespan. But some people also think that during the flood it came down, and what we have left of it is our rain cycles and the clouds, that that's what caused that. Pick up again, and there was evening and there was morning, the second, <clears throat> the second day. Again... Again, we see God has done all the work that he's wanted for that day, and he's waiting to start again the next day. The third day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and, gather, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. So, at this point, creation kind of shifts from God creating things to God building upon what he's created. In the first two days, we have the basic building blocks, I guess you would say, of the earth. We have time that's created, light that's created, darkness that's created, day and night, which are linked to light and darkness, and then the ocean and the sky. So now God's actively transforming this to get it ready for the next phase. He, he's, built, he's put up land, ready to go into the next one. Now, if this was one's first time reading through Genesis, imagine you'd never read, ever, ever read Genesis before. Based on what's already what happened the first two days, at this point, would you expect it to say, you know, and there was evening and morning, and then the next day? Because from, from, like I said before, from this point, or up to this point, it's been pretty simple, just two things made, and you know, that's pretty much it. 
But again, God has reached the point where he's not only building upon creation, but he's moving from the simple to the complex. As we get further and further along in creation, you're going to see that it gets more and more and more complex. So same day, uh, third day again, same day, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seasoning according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So to go back on what I said a minute ago, God, again, is building upon creation. We have the land. It's there. Now he's filling it with vegetation. Now, this portion, though, I don't want you to think that he's just putting it there because he's putting it there. It's more than God putting plants out on the earth. Think, think ahead for a second, later on, you know, later on in creation, and picture what it is that early animals and man would have needed to survive. Would have been vegetation and fruit. So God's not only building upon the planet, he's not only making, adding more and more complex things, he's setting up the planet to sustain life. But not just any and all life, you know, not, not just for all the animals. Yes, that's true, but specifically for human life. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. Again, we get to the point God's done all the work. He's set up for that day. He's waiting for the next day to start up, start up work again. So now we transition into the fourth day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark the seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, and it was so. Here, back to the time thing, we're seeing God create more restrictions on time. Now we don't just have day and night, evening and morning, we have stars in the sky and two lights. Now, these stars in the sky, the two greater lights are what to the ancients um, drove their time, drove their calendar. I'll get into that in a minute. To pick up again, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. So the sun and the moon, God creates them. Now, the reason I say it's, this is further restrictions on time is because in the ancient world, when you were around, you know, when you were up during the day, whatever geographic, wherever you lived, when you saw the sun go over, you, you got a feeling of, as you got older, okay, if the sun's in this part of the sky, then it's this time of day, or if it's, you know, in that part of the sky, it's a later part of the day. So... It was basically their clock. The same thing for the moon. Same kind of deal. When they see the moon in a certain position in the sky, they knew it was about a certain time at night. But more so with the moon, with the moon phases, that started bringing in, you know, an idea of okay, this is seasons about to come up, or you know, this month is around. Now the next thing, he also made the stars. Now, the stars were just as important to the ancient people 
for time as the sun and the moon. A lot of ancient calendars were formed off the stars, off, different, off star positions during the year. So this was another marker in terms of months, years, and, and seasons. And to the ancients, this was the ultimate way to see what time of year it was. Continue in the verse, our verses. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Okay, the, the reference to the expanse of sky here is not that you've got you know, the water and then the sky and then the sun, the moon, stars, and then the other layer of water. It's rather there's no real other way they could describe beyond the second layer of water, you know, what was out there beyond it. There was evening, there was morning, the fourth day. Again, God has created everything that he has wanted created for that day. He's waiting for the next to continue creation. So now we move into the fifth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing within which the water teems, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on earth. So God has taken the waters that he's already created, he's taken everything he's already created, and now he's starting to put life in it. Now, what's interesting is we have a pattern here. First, God created the ocean. So the first animals, per se, he created... Well, he created the ocean and the sky. So the first animals he created inhabit the ocean and the sky. This is an interesting side note. Another important observation is that we're seeing more and more things that can sustain life for humans. You've got now meat in the terms of fish and birds. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. Again, yet again, God's done all his plan for that day. He's ready to move on. The sixth day. Now this is the most important day of creation above all other days of creation because of something that happens on that specific day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move among the ground, and wild animals, each according to their kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Now, notice the three types of creatures that God says he's created. First, being livestock. Second, being wild, um, creatures that move along the ground. And third, being wild animals. Now, think about, in terms of humans, what is closer to humans. This, this order is from closest proximity to humans to furthest proximity. I mean, human, at that point, humans, the closest thing they're going to have in it in terms of an animal, is they're going to have livestock. And then you, you can't get around creatures that move along the ground, that being bugs and snakes and all those kind of gross things. And then wild animals, 
who, you know, are out and about, not really that close to humans. Now, even though that's important, that's not the main focus. Think about what, what's livestock for? I mean, what, do, what do you use livestock? Hmm? Eat? What else can you use livestock for? Clothing? Work. So God has specifically given humans animals for work, food, and clothing. And after all, after all creating, creating all the animals, he, says, he steps back and says, that's good. But that's not all that happened on the sixth day. The really important thing that's happened, that's going to happen, we're, gonna, we're about to see. We're about to hit the point in creation that God has been sitting back waiting for. He's, been, he, he's done all of this just for this particular moment. And that's the creation of man. All of creation thus far has led up to the creation of man. To, to create man who is, in the very, who is in the image of God. Now, I want that term to sink in. We are created in the image of God. We are the reason for all of this. All of this world around us is created for us. Before I move on, I want that to sink in. I really want you guys to understand the gravity that everything is created for us. It was from, from day one up to up, all creation up to day six, all of it for us. Now, when I say this, I'm saying it with the same enthusiasm and gravity that Jesus describes him preparing a place for us in John 14, 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it was not so, I would not have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. So God has prepared this entire earth to sustain our lives. Pick up. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now this is interesting. This is the first time in creation you see, you see the plural of God. Our image, our likeness. This goes back again to the Trinity. The Trinity was around. So this plural, our and our, is God referring to himself, to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Three and one. Now, what's interesting, this verse alone shows that creation was for us. Because it says, let them, being humans, rule over the fish of the sea. You could put it to every, let them rule over the birds of the air. Let them rule over all the livestock. And let them rule over all the earth. And let them rule over all the creatures that move along the ground. To pick up again, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So again, God's pushing forward the fact that we're created in the image of him. I mean, it says it twice here. When it repeats stuff like this, it is for us to really sit back and realize, wow, that's a 
really important statement. Again, author wants to make it really clear, we're made in the image of God. And again, let that sink in. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Roll over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, what's really interesting is this, this is different from any other time that God has said, Be fruitful and increase. Because, I mean, that alone is a command. He's commanded that of everyone, but what makes it really, really special to humans is that command comes with a blessing, the blessing of the world. Now, some scholars think this moment when God blesses them is is him breathing in the breath, breath of life and giving them dominion over the earth as his children. I agree with them. Here again, he's, also, he, he's not only blessing them, but he's commanding them. It's a blessing of here's the earth, but subdue it. Take charge of it. So he's giving the, them command to take charge over the earth. Not only that, again, he reiterates that we are created in his, his, likeness, uh, his likeness, his image, and that the whole reason for creation of the earth was for man. Now here comes the blessing portion. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole whole earth and every tree that has fruit and seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground and everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green, green plant for food. God has just gone over what he's created and said it's yours. I'm giving it to you. He's given them everything. He's given them his entire creation. Pick up. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. I want to stop there. It was very good. This is the first time we see it was very good. Every other time he says it was good. This it was very good again points to the fact that God has been waiting to make man and waiting to give him all of creation. Man makes creation complete. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Sixth day is done. God's finished creating. Now, again, if this is your first time reading Genesis, you'd go through, and, oh, there's another day. I mean, there is another day, but instead of going straight into that day, we have this little phrase, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. They weren't completed until man was on the scene. For the last time, we see the mention of days. And we also, again, like I said, we also see the first time God describing it as very good. It's finished. The seventh day. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Okay, the resting. It's not a God was physically tired. It's not a he's completely wiped out from creating. Rather, it's what I like to call the rest of an artist or someone who's been working on a project for a long time and they're finally done and get to sit back and go, wow, look what I did. I finished what I've been working on. 
It's a time of you're really happy that you're finished and you're looking upon what had been made and you're thinking about how you had made it. And it's, it's just, you, you have this joy that it's done and you want to go tell everyone about it. Now we get that chance of being told about creation via Genesis. So the very first thing I want to say about all this that we have covered is, I, again, I want you to realize creation is not just a step-by-step, here's how God made the world, but rather it's a build-up over time by God to his ultimate creation, that is man. Now, something else I want you to think about, because God is God, he could have just, in the beginning, said, earth, everything in it be formed. All in one day, boom, all done, I'm out of here. No. That would have been, that would have ruined the whole point of creation. Think about the process that was taken. He began extremely simple and got more and more complex each day. He began by doing little per day to doing much per day. Now, it isn't just about that, though. It's about God proving to us throughout this whole chain that he's able to create us. Not, it's not only that the amount of time he put into creating us, shows, but the fact that he spent that time creating. The whole idea behind God creating was that he was ultimately doing it for us. Every step was one to make a world where we, his children, could live. Another thought that I want you to have is that he's given us everything twice. The first time is here in creation, handing everything over to Adam and Eve, the entirety of creation. Everything he could claim was his, he gave to us. And the second time, everything he could claim was his, that being his son, he gave to us. Now again, I want to reiterate that God is the reason for all of this. He proved that since he created this world that we're living in, that he could do anything. It is the proof that God is and we are because God is. Again, I want you to go back to each day, increasingly complex. The first day, light and darkness. The second day, ocean and sky. The third day, land and vegetation. The fourth day, the sun, moon, and stars. Wait, I had that backwards. Third day, land and vegetation. Yeah. Fifth day, birds and fish. And then the sixth day, land animals and man. Everything leading up to us. Everything preceding man was for man. The entire creation, one step upon the other, was built so that we could survive. Now, the final thought that I want to leave you with today is that, again, God's given us everything twice. He gave us the earth, and he gave us his son. Both are proof that God is.